It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Happy Monday to you. Welcome into the program. Welcome into a new week. Welcome into the final week of February. And yes, we do have the extra day this month. It is a leap year. So there will be a February 29th on Thursday. But that's okay. Leap year babies need to have their birthday too. Actually, I have a friend who is a, a leap year baby. And it's it's always... Uh, I'm sure they're tired of that joke of them only being, you know, 16 years old when they're 44 years old or whatever the math works out to be. I couldn't imagine. I mean, I guess there, there's something special about it. I mean, I don't, I don't care about my birthday anyway. But I couldn't imagine dealing with all the Dumb comments you must get from people. It's like folks who have Christmas birthdays or birthdays right around Christmas. Mine is like 10 days after Christmas, and I still get the questions. Oh, do you get presents for Christmas and your birthday, or does Santa just bring them all at once? So I feel you, leap year babies, to some degree. But the, um, the good news is it should be a decent weather week. And certainly the temperatures are starting to rise. I saw an article this morning. I can't remember if it was uh, Channel 12 or Channel 10. But one of the Rhode Island stations had a suggestion, a strong possibility that we've seen the last of the bitterly cold temperatures for this season. I don't know if I buy that. But we did have some cold days the last couple of days. We'll see what the future holds, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if you had a an overnight that dropped down to 20 degrees again before spring is fully upon us. But we'll, we will have all the latest weather for you as we go along. I think we will probably see I hope we don't see any more snowflakes, but you know how it goes. There's there's bound to be at least a dusting or a coating before we're all done for the season. Although I say that knowing that we barely got any last year. So how was your weekend? I hope that it was good. I hope that you got some stuff done or didn't do anything at all. I went into the weekend with plans to get all kinds of things done and I didn't do anything at all. I went out Saturday. Well, I got up early Saturday because I was going to watch that WWE event from Australia. 
set the alarm. It was supposed to start at 5 a.m. Set the alarm for 4.45 a.m. Went to bed probably like around 10, 10.30 Friday night. The alarm went off. And I said, what am I doing? On a day off? Why, why am I getting up early to watch something that I already know what's going to happen? And that I can watch later on anyway. And then I realized, and they're going to have an hour-long pre-show, so it's actually 6 a.m. that it's going to start. So I could have actually slept another hour. So I just went back to sleep, got up around 8, and said to myself, you know what? I've never been able to go to the Gifts to Give thrift store this early. Every time I've gotten up with the intention of going early, Something else has always popped up and I've had to handle something else and ended up going later on in the afternoon if I went at all. And so this Saturday, I was like, all right, I'm going to go. I want to see if it's any better when it opens, you know, if there's more more deals to be had and more items to be found. And so at uh, eh, probably like five minutes of nine, they open up at nine. They're only open nine to four on Saturdays. At five minutes of nine, I pulled up. And there's this line, like you would have thought they were releasing the new iPhone or Taylor Swift tickets were on sale or, or something. Like, there was a line. It went almost fully across the parking lot. And it was chilly, and I'm sitting in my car. I had to park, you know, pretty far back because the lot was full. Which is fine. I, I actually like parking further back now because I can... Like I'm starting to be able to make that walk again after the surgery. But I also was like, well, if I come out with a bunch of clothes, I don't want to have to walk across the parking lot with them. So, you know, I like to park close, but whatever. I got a spot where I could. And then I just stayed in the car because I said, well, what are they really going to beat me to? And I walked in right after, you know, nine o'clock when the doors opened and the big line went in. Found a bunch of great items, and I wasn't even looking to see, like, do I think this will fit me? Is this something? Nope. Just if I saw it, I threw it in the cart because it was a madhouse. And then a lot of people were in the section that wasn't closed. I just avoided that altogether. Got my giant pile of clothes, including a what looked like an almost new Periella suit that fits me very well. For 12 bucks, but the whole pile of clothes, the whole cart full of clothes cost me 26 bucks. Got in the car, went home, and that was it. That was my weekend. That's all that I did. The rest of the time I stayed inside thinking, you know, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, and then eh, i got to clean out the fridge. Got to pile up all the recycling. Got to do laundry. I haven't done laundry in over a month. Didn't do any of it. By the way, that's because I wasn't allowed to lift the laundry. It's not that I am a a dirty person, but I, I had plenty of clothes, so it wasn't a big deal. But that was my weekend. How was yours? I think we've also got... uh 
only a few more weekends left before you're going to have to start getting outside and doing stuff in the yard. Once we get to mid to late March, oh yeah, now it's going to be time to get out there and start cleaning up all the winter mess. So enjoy your, your weekends while you can. So this morning, a little bit later on in the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to be joined by Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. We'll be turning on the light as we do each Monday in the 8 o'clock hour. I want to talk with him about a number of things, but one of the things we will definitely talk about is the article that he has up, the, the column that he has at newbedfordlight.org today. actually came out last week. And it's kind of a companion piece to Colin Hogan's article on the loss of libraries in local public schools. And Jack wrote a column talking about the value of the public library in a, uh, the value of the library in a public school. And I, I have to agree. The library in the school was my main go-to point for books when I was a kid. You know, having five kids in the family and having them all be different ages as I was growing up wasn't always that easy to pack everybody up and take them to the library. When I first started reading, it was great because I lived within walking distance, just a couple blocks away from the public library in Randolph. So my dad would take me up there and we could just walk up and get some books and come home. And I read a lot. My school library, though, was where I got the most books because I could go down there. We, we went, I think, I want to say at least a couple times a week, if not every day, we were in the library, which was right next to my classroom. So it was easy for, for my class to go. If I remember correctly, we shared a door. But I would read, and this is first grade, so I'm reading, you know, all the Dr. Seuss books and everything. But I also read books that were probably higher than most first graders would have read because I just read everything I could. One of the books that I used to teach myself to read was the novelization of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Or maybe it was Raiders of the Lost Ark, but it was one of the Indiana Jones movies. I bought it for my parents to read to me. And there were some nights, obviously, with having younger kids, they couldn't always sit down and read to me. So I kind of learned to read it myself. I wasn't good at it at first, but I got better. But I would go into that school library and I would get all kinds of books because nobody. Nobody ever said to me, well, that book is too old for you or you're, you're too young to read that or, or you're too, your skill set isn't enough to read that yet. It was kind of an approach of, well, if you want to try it, give it a try. I mean, I read The Outsiders in first grade. Did I understand it all? No. No. 
But that was more of where I got books from than anywhere else. We couldn't afford to go to the bookstore and buy a bunch of books. I don't even think I had many books at home when I was a kid. We had some, but until I was in the sixth grade, I didn't have a whole heck of a lot of books. What I read, I read from the school library because I could go down there pretty much any time I needed to. You know, if I didn't have time on a Monday, say, to go to the library, I could usually find time to go on a Tuesday. But we always had a library period once a week at least. And this is the days, of course, before the Internet. So if I wanted to know about something and look something up, I didn't have encyclopedias at home. I would write a little list. I kept a little notebook, like one of those little small, tiny notebooks. And I would write down the things that I wanted to look up the next time I was in the library. And whether it be the encyclopedia or a book on that subject, that's how I would get that information. The school library was invaluable to me all throughout my school years. By the time I got to high school, I used it more for reference materials than anything else. Because by that point, you know, especially by the time I drove, I would go to the public library, which was across the street. My transition came when I was a sophomore. And I would go to the library after school, and that's when my dad would pick me up. And so I would spend, you know, an hour or two every afternoon at the public library reading Rolling Stone magazine, reading Entertainment Weekly, reading the newspaper, and then finding books that I wanted to read. And I didn't even need to check books out sometimes. I would just read them, put a bookmark in, and put it back on the shelf. But the school library is the reason why I was able to get to that point. And at a time when even public libraries are struggling, they have limited hours, they have limited staff, they have less of an ability to purchase new books. I don't even know that the public library is part of a family's weekly schedule anymore, monthly schedule anymore. We, we would go all the time. And I think part of that was, you know, having younger kids. There was always something going on. So I'm the oldest, but there's five kids in my family. My youngest sibling is only seven or eight years younger than me. So we're all pretty close in age. So if you went to the library and there was a, you know, a reading time or a puppet show or whatever, you were probably getting half the kids in the family to sit and watch that. So it was a good, free, out-of-the-house activity. 
and I would just get lost in, you know, reading some books, usually in the 100 section, the you know, the 100s of the Dewey Decimal System, all the books about the weird stuff and the paranormal stuff. Then in sixth grade, I started really getting into reading Stephen King and forget it, that was it. I just read every Stephen King book there was to that point. But it was all because the school library got me started. And I think a lot of us credit our reading, our love of reading, our reading ability with what we learned in the school library. And Jack points out in his column, and we'll talk about this when he comes in, but he points out that people point to the fact that, well, you can get anything that you want online. But I would warn you to, to not utilize that as the rationale to get, a, to get away from having physical libraries because the younger generations are actually, I mean, there's pockets of the older generation. Me personally, I don't have a problem with ebooks. When I was getting books regularly for Spooky South Coast, I would get two or three books a week which is great when you're trying to book a guest, but not so great when you need to keep those books somewhere to be able to read them for that guest. I had a six-foot bookshelf in my office that was three rows deep of books. And so when a lot of them started sending out e-books, it was a lot easier for me. Plus, I could carry that around and have three or four different books on there that I was reading at one time to get ready for a guest. So I could go either way. But other folks of my generation, certainly the older generation and even some of the younger generations, prefer the physical media. But the young kids... The kids that are high school age now, they prefer having a physical book. And while it's easy to get lost in the story, no matter how you're reading it, there's a different feel to having a physical book in your hand. And it actually probably makes you a better reader because on an e-reader, on your phone, on your tablet, your iPad, whatever... You can make all kinds of adjustments to the size of the text. In some cases, you can even change the font of the text to make it easier to read. You can change the brightness of the screen. And certainly that's nice to have when you have some vision issues. But there was something about picking up a book and you never knew like how big the print was going to be, how bright the pages were going to be. You know, those dull, pulpy pages. So there was there was a lot more variety in the way that it was presented, which trained your eyes a lot better for reading, I would think. Anyway, 508-996-0500. What did the library mean to you? The school library and the public library. What did it mean to you? Let me know. 508-996-0500. You can also use app chat or open line voicemails on the WBSM app. Right now, though, I'm going to take my first break of the morning, and we'll be back in a few moments. Yeah. Hey, we do have a call on the line, but caller, I'm just going to ask you to hang on because uh, it's time to go into the newsroom with Phil. But when we come back on the other side, we can take that call and yours at 508-996-0500. You can also send those app chat messages and open line voicemails on the WBSM app. If you haven't downloaded the app already, what are you waiting for? You can get it for free from your app store, whether you have a, 
an Apple phone, a Samsung phone, Google phone, whatever it is, they all have it available, and it's free thanks to our friends at South Coast Towing. So you get all kinds of great features on the WBSM app, including live traffic and weather, including all of our news updates, all of our podcasts, live streaming audio, and more. Right now, though, it is time to go into the newsroom and get all of the stories of the day from Phil Devitt. Now, the biggest stories on the South Coast from the WBSM Newsroom. This is WBSM News. Donald Trump is the winner of South Carolina's GOP presidential primary, coming out on top over the weekend after already winning in Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. In South Carolina, the win is significant, as it means White House hopeful Nikki Haley lost in her own home state. Haley, for her part, is making it clear she's still in the race. Vigils were held around the country over the weekend for a 16-year-old Oklahoma high school student who died after a fight in a school bathroom. Nex Benedict, who identified as non-binary, died earlier this month, the day after a fight with three girls who were allegedly picking on them at high school. Students at Owasso High School are reportedly planning a walkout today. The woman killed in a mass shooting following the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl championship parade and rally has been laid to rest. Funeral services took place for 43-year-old radio DJ Lisa Lopez-Galvin on Saturday. 22 others were wounded in the February 14th shooting. At least two more Florida children have measles after the state's Surgeon General ignored federal guidelines for containing an outbreak at an elementary school. Six children at one school contracted the disease about a week ago. Now two more children have the illness. Surgeon General Joseph Latipo said he was leaving it to parents to send their kids back to the school while the federal government recommends staying at home to stop the spread. The spacecraft that touched down on the moon last week is alive and well after tipping over onto its side. Houston-based Intuitive Machines guided its Odysseus lander onto the moon, marking the first touchdown by a U.S.-built spacecraft since the Apollo 17 mission in 1972. Shares in the company nearly doubled on word of its successful landing, only to tumble around 30% in a late-day sell-off on Friday after word came out of the slight mishap. AT&T will provide customers affected by Thursday's network outage a $5 credit. In a statement on its website, the cell provider said customers will receive it within two billing cycles. AT&T says a software update is to blame. The service disruption started early Thursday and was a major headache for many, with phone services limited. GPS maps failed and some 911 calls did not go through. AT&T serves more than 100 million customers, according to the company's website. And the Bob Marley biopic tops the box office for the second week in a row. Bob Marley One Love took in an estimated $13.5 million over the weekend. In Middleborough, two weekend events are under investigation this morning. A single car crash that killed a man in his 60s Sunday afternoon and a Saturday morning house fire that killed a juvenile. And a 22-year-old New Bedford man is charged with robbing an Uber driver. Police say Isaiah Poindexter of Cedar Street was wearing a GPS ankle bracelet at the time for vandalizing vehicles last year. Time now for WBSM Sports, brought to you by Sparks Auto in Dartmouth. The Boston Bruins close out their four-game road trip tonight with a visit to Seattle, that game at 10. The Boston Celtics are red hot, going for a ninth straight win when they play the Philadelphia 76ers on Tuesday. And the Red Sox in spring training, they play the Phillies today at 1. Let's check your forecast now with ABC6. 
Cloudy skies to start this work week with temperatures this morning in the mid to low 30s. Isolated sprinkle cannot be ruled out. As we head into the afternoon hours, gradual clearing is expected with values in the mid 40s. Overnight tonight, patch fog will develop with clouds increasing once again in the low 30s. And we'll be dealing with some fog tomorrow first thing in the morning. Mostly cloudy skies will prevail mid-40s rain tomorrow night. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Cecil Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station 1420 WBSM. I'm Phil Devitt for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station WBSM and get all of our content and breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. And welcome back in. Let's go right to the phones. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Morning, Tim. How you doing? Not bad. Hey, talking about libraries. A mm-hmm. lot of people give give libraries a, a hard time. Um, but I remember one of one of my favorite like field trips almost once a week was when we walked over to a local library from school. Or you got to be able to pick out, you know, different books for, uh, you know, for the week or however long you got to keep them. And, and, and uh, we kind of did story time or whatever. It was like grammar school or whatever. And, and that was one of the things that we always looked forward to um, when I was younger. And when I got older, yeah, I, I obviously I, I stopped going to the library for a while. And then one day I just started going back and I picked up a couple of books and one of the books that I actually picked up years ago was a book on Bobby Kennedy. Uh, the, 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 not the, not the son that's running for president, mm-hmm. the father. And it talked about, you know, basically it, it was a, a short biography of how he really focused in on, you know, the Indian uh, reservations back when he was running for president and stuff like that. So it got me really interested in his campaign. Um, but there is there's something to be said about holding a book and using it as a reference, because my, myself, if I found a book, say in in a library, and I was just oh, you know I'll pick it up. I didn't want to buy a book. Right? I didn't want to buy this you know twenty dollar book. I didn't want to waste that money. But I wanted to read it to see if I liked it, and I would actually take it out, skim through it, and then I've actually bought it later on on whatever Amazon or whatever, just because I wanted it as a reference later on. Cause I, I don't read a lot of fiction books. I read a lot of like nonfiction books, history books and, and economic books and stuff like that. But before I do buy them, I kind of, kind of give it a, a once over from the library. Yeah. I mean, it's a great way to do it. It's, it's, it's also less annoying than if you were in the bookstore and try to read a couple chapters before you decide if you wanted to buy it. So I'm sure right. the, uh, I'm sure the bookstore people appreciate you previewing it at the library first right right exactly that it's more like a you, you do a cliff notes on it and then you're like oh all right yeah this makes sense and then you just because then because in in two years after you read it or three years and you wanted to use it as a reference <clears throat> for, for something that you were just thinking about be like oh yeah you know I, I read this statistic or i read this report and um yeah that, it's just something that you always look back on and, and you're able to, to reference when, when you use a, a library, you know, you get, get that little cliff note. Um, in, in regards to, uh, the local economy, I wanted to actually touch base on that. If that's all right. Sure. So I hear a lot of people, they, they complain about the local economy, uh, lately and well, the economy in general. And 
I, I tell Chris this all the time. We talk about it all the time. Your economy is is locally driven more than it is federally driven. You know, people like to give credit to Trump and blame Biden and, you know, blame your senators and blame your congressmen. The federal government, Washington, D.C., has very little to do with your, your economy. It has more to do with your licensing boards, has more to do with your health department, your construction permits and all that stuff. And it has more to do with your state policies more than anything else, more than the federal policy. They barely do anything for your local economy. And the reason why I bring that up is I was listening to some of the people at, at CPAC this past weekend, and every conservative governor, every Republican governor, which is this 23 of them, so half of this country just about, all say the economy sucks nationally, but their economy, their economy is the greatest right now. They, they've never done better. So 23, half of this country, say their economy has been never better, so strong. But the economy is terrible and Biden is bad for the, for the economy. How do, you, how do you conflate that? How do you actually come to that conclusion if you can say half of the country is doing great? You know, there, there's no trade barriers in between the states. So if the economy is doing good for half the states, the economy is doing good for the United States. And it just makes me laugh. I, I read a couple of reports. Um, you know, a lot of your, your leading indicators economically on how the, the health of the overall national economy is, is, you know, you, you read into your, your travel and leisure. 92% of Americans right now are, are planning to either travel just as much or more in 2024 as they did in 2023. Wow. 92%. So they're either going to travel just as much or more in 2024 and theme parks universal theme parks has had their best quarters just lately uh, late you know late into 2023 this, this is you know your 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 spending money this is your fun money if, if the economy is bad people are not going to theme parks and they're not traveling those are the first few things and eating out right you you don't go out and eat as much as if uh, you feel your your personal economy your your personal income is going to be threatened by the economy or a recession or a slowdown in the economy. You're not going out to eat. You're not going to go to universal parks and you're not, you know, just traveling to, to, you know, Florida beaches. It's not happening. Those are the first things that go away, but yet that's going to be that that's, that's growing at this moment in time and more people are doing it. So you can't say that the economy is bad nationally. No, you're trying, they're, they're trying to push if, a if narrative you, that, that just doesn't right. bear out with the facts. Right. If your local economy is bad, like say New Bedford, like we, we hear everybody in New Bedford, they say, oh, the economy's slowing down. The economy's terrible. That's a local issue. If you feel that your locally, the, the economy is, is slowing down, it's a southern New England issue. You want to talk to your mayor, your select board and your governor. It has nothing to do with Congress and D.C. because they have very little to do with it. You want to fix your, your economy? you got to get involved in your local boards and your local elections and fix your licensing board, your health department, your building department. Make sure those people are doing the right thing. Make sure your, your local taxes are low to bring in more businesses. It has very, very little to do with, uh, with the national economy at all. But that, that's, that's the number one reason why. But when you brought up the, the library, it made me think of uh, Bobby Kennedy, which made me laugh because now his son's running for president. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of books that I can say I never would have found had I not been in the library, you know, just, yeah. just browsing around. Yeah, it, and, and it's a lot cheaper than browsing around in, uh, uh, you know, a Barnes & Noble. You know, you, you browse around in a Barnes & Noble, and, and you end up buying a book that you get halfway through, and you're like, this, this isn't what I thought it would be. Right. So at least you get a, a good cliff notes when you take it out of the library, and uh, then you can actually buy the book and use it as a reference. Because you, you can pass it on to your kids or your grandkids. Oh, yeah, I got that book. Here you go. Especially well, if it's like a factual book, like a nonfiction, they can use it for school. Or if you uh, if you don't bend the spine too much, you can give it away as a gift and pretend like it was still brand new. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I don't get gifts from you, Tim. <laughs> I know I've given people books, um, not as a gift, like like a Christmas gift or a birthday gift, but I've said to somebody yeah. here, here's a book that I just read that I think you would like. And then when they try to give it back, no, 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 you keep it. You know, like you pass it on to somebody else. Right. That's the advantage yeah, of yeah. buying them at savers and yard sales and everything and not paying full price. That's that's absolutely true. And then you, you can actually maybe get the highlights of, of the previous owner. You know, they they put little notes on the side of the book and or or they have their uh the corners of the pages tucked in, you know that that's there's gonna be something good on that page. Absolutely. All right, well you have a great day. Right, Take it easy. You too, Tim. Have a good one. Bye. And uh you know, talking about school libraries. The um the school library was always, like I said, a, a resource for me because we weren't going to bookstores. We weren't buying brand new books. You know when I got brand new books when I was a kid? We would go over to Rich's next to the neighborhood. I don't know if anybody remembers Rich's, but I grew up, you know, I spent my elementary school years in Plymouth and I lived right next door to the Rich's and we would go in there and they would have like little golden books, which I don't even know how much they were. Probably like a dollar. We had a nice collection of those because, again, I had younger siblings. But we weren't really going out and getting, you know, brand new $10, $15, $20 books off the shelf at the bookstore and bringing them home and reading them. We would get them at yard sales, flea markets. One of my favorite places to go and we would always get books at was Building 19. I had an awesome collection of Grimm's Fairy Tales that we got at Building 19 and the thing must have been 200 pages illustrated and I think the reason why I liked it so much was because it was the original Grimm's Fairy Tales, not like the sanitized Disney versions of these stories where nobody died. So uh, it was it was always a, a challenge because you never knew what you were going to find when you walked in there, but you always walked out of there with something at Building 19. But I remember in the elementary school that I went to in Plymouth, I went to West Elementary for four years, and then I went to Nathaniel Morton for a year. And when we went to Nathaniel Morton, we were within a couple of blocks walking distance of the public library. So we would we would take a trip down there like maybe once a month and, you know, with, with the classmates. But that West School Public Library, is, as far as I can remember, was probably the best school library I ever had. Because I found everything that I would want to read. And things that I didn't even know existed. Remember the draw 50 books? Draw 50 animals? Draw 50 cars and trucks? Draw 50 Marvel superheroes? I checked out every one of those books multiple times. One of my favorite books I found in there was they had a giant collection of 
vintage comic strips. It was the history of comic strips, but they had all the strips in there, like the yellow kid, the cats and jammer kids, little Nemo in dreamland. That's how I read so many of those old comics was in that book. They had all the Garfield books. They had all the, the Bloom County books, although maybe they shouldn't have. Some of that was a little bit of subversive for elementary school. Then in later years, they started to get in the Calvin and Hobbes books. You know, that's, that's where I would go and read these things. Because I wasn't going to, my parents weren't going to go and buy that book for $25. 508-996-0500. Got to take a break. Be back in a few. You can also use app chat and open line voicemails on the WBSM app. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we're going to have Jack Spillane in in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll be turning on the light and we'll be talking about his latest column, which looks at the importance of school libraries. Uh, Colin Hogan also has some great reporting on both the lack of libraries in South Coast schools. But also talking about the last librarian in New Bedford schools. There's only one school library in all of New Bedford schools, and that's in the high school with one librarian. And from Collins reporting in the story, it's still a very frequently used library. But how do you build that that love of reading and that level of importance for reading in the younger grades if those books aren't available to the kids? Granted, I'm sure every classroom has a selection of books, right? But a kid goes through those pretty fast. And as we've been talking about this, and as I've been reading Colin's reporting and, and Jack's column, I've been trying to throw back in my mind to the different school libraries that I had the ability to check out. And you know what? Some of those schools, I can't picture the library in my head anymore. And I don't know why that is. Certainly they had them. Certainly I used them. But there were some where I just can't picture it in my mind's eye. But in others, because I moved around a lot, so I went to a lot of schools, but... 
for the most part, though, that's one of my fondest memories of every school that I've been in is, is the library. I can't think of a, a library that I didn't utilize. When I went to UMass Dartmouth, I didn't check out books very often. By that point, I was older. I had disposable income and I was kind of a, you know, a book collector. So I would read books in the library. And then if there was something that I really wanted to read, I would just go to Barnes and Noble and get it. Obviously, an older book, I would just read it in the library. But I had library books, again, in the UMass Dartmouth Library that I would just leave a, a bookmark in. And then go the next time I was in the library, I would take it out and read it. It was four, I think, floors. So I anything that I wanted, I could find there. And now with the, the sales program, if there's a book that you want and the library in your town doesn't have it, they're connected into this library of this network of libraries where they can get it for you. So, you know, New Bedford might not have it, but Wareham might have it. And they'll send it over to you. So we've reached a point where technology has made any book that you want to read available to you probably instantly. But people still like the feel of having that physical book. And, and I think younger kids certainly do love that. As much as people complain about how young kids are so screen dependent, the young kids I talk to love books. My nieces and nephews, well, with the exception of one, one's in college, but the rest are all middle school or younger. And all of them love books. They love having physical books. But kids are going to school and not able to to have a library they can go to to get them? I can't imagine that. 508-996-0500. We'll be right back. And welcome back in. We'll be going into the news in just a few moments. But um, we can talk more libraries on the other side of that, plus whatever else is on your mind. But a reminder that early voting has begun in the city of New Bedford for the March 5th uh, primary. If you want to vote Today, you can go to the downtown library from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. That's going on until March 1st. Uh, also, if you want to vote at Tabor Mill, that's happening on Wednesday from 11 to 3. You use the Coffin Avenue entrance. And it's happening at the Hazelwood Senior Center on Thursday from 11 to 3. So it's your chance to vote for president, state committee man, state committee woman, and ward committee. So those will all be on the ballot. Early voting underway now. Uh, and, of course, I'm glad that uh, Nikki Haley said that she's staying in the race, at least through Super Tuesday, because that means anybody